This message has been brought to you by Andrew Graves at Heart of the Father Ministry, Winter Haven. We already, we've been listening to what God has been saying through the, the worship tonight. And I think we need to prepare our hearts for walking in freedom. It was for freedom um, for us that he came, came to set us free. Yes, absolutely. So keep that as the context for where we're jumping into uh, with Ephesians tonight. And what I'd like to do um, is... have some time at the end for us to pray this over each other and allow the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I know that one of the spiritual gifts I have is a teacher, but I'm not really the teacher, right? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So, Father, we just position ourselves uh, tonight to receive from you. We ask you to speak to our hearts tonight. We ask you to come and encounter us tonight. We ask you to come and release your word, Lord, not just over us, but in us, Lord. That there would be transformation and there would be freedom tonight, and that we would be empowered by your Spirit to walk in that freedom. Hallelujah. I had quite uh, the experience this morning. I was driving to work, and... um, I was waving at a traffic light, and somebody rear-ended me. Um, they thought the cars had gone, and the cars did, and then stopped again, and they weren't watching, and they rear-ended me. I challenge you to look at the back of my car tonight and see if you can see any mark on it at all. That, theirs was a, theirs was like a, I don't know if it was a Ford Explorer. It was, it was, a, it was a lot bigger than my car. It was an SUV, and the bumper was hanging off on both sides on that car. And I just, yeah, I just thought, you know, as I was driving that way, I thought, God, it's, you know, it was such a picture of how the attacks, you know, come against us consistently. Um, I don't mean that that was, you know, the, the, the woman in the car was, was attacking me, but the enemy you know, uses those things and brings attacks against us. And it was just a wonderful picture of his grace and his mercy because uh, it was quite a, you know, you always, there's that noise, isn't there, when you're in an accident of two cars hitting each other. You just, you know what that noise feels like and sounds like if you've been in an accident. And uh, I just, I couldn't believe it when I, uh, when I got out and looked at, at my car. So I just thought that was a wonderful picture of his goodness and we're really talking about spiritual warfare Um, 
even with what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians. So I want to just, again, quickly just kind of lay the framework like we did last week very quickly, and then um, if Derek's available, he's changing the diaper right now. So I will, I will, I will uh, keep my introduction going until I see Derek. <laughs> So again, in in Ephesians 2, uh, and this I think is the main point, this is where Paul then, at the end of Ephesians chapter 2, when he goes into chapter 3, he says, for this reason, and several times says, well, twice in chapter 3 says, for this reason, and then on the back of, uh, for this reason, three times in chapter 5, or chapter 4, and the beginning of chapter 5 says, therefore, and so this is all building on this statement that he makes in Ephesians chapter 2 about building a dwelling place for himself and this body that he is building. And then we see that um, he goes on um, to, to talk about that in chapter 3 and talks about the church and the purpose of that body. And then in chapter 4, he talks about the unity of that body. Therefore, he, he tells us we need to walk according to that revelation and stay in unity and all of the things, that, endeavoring to keep the unity and the unity that's in God. And then, but within that unity that's in God, that, out of that is the grace that he's given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, which is the Holy Spirit. So the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit in part there, is to keep this unity and, and bring us all to the same place in, in the body. And so in chapter 4, he's addressing things um, that are related to that and the uh, purpose of the gifts in ministry, the purpose of uh, ministry itself for those that are called to, um, called to be evangelists, apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. It's all to equip the saints. It's all for the edifying of the body. It's all to bring us into this place of unity. And then out of this, in chapter 4, in the latter part of chapter 4, he's taught about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. I would say that's freedom, right? Being freed from those destructive forces that are at work um, against us, but also from within us, the old the old us, the old man, um, that being released and freed from that, putting on the new man. And so that kind of brings us to um, where we're at in, in chapter 5. So let me read the first uh, two verses, and then Derek's ready. I'm going to, you, you okay to jump in then? No, he's saying. Okay. Nothing like being put on the spot, is there? So chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, 
as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so that's where we were last week. We were talking about imitating God and, and how do we do that. What does that mean? I talked about it being impossible, so I'm, I'll have Derek come up in just a second. I'm just going to talk about the impossibility of that just for a second or two, right? We talked about how impossible that is, right? How, how can that be that we can imitate God? It's impossible. I would say it's impossible, no. Uh, yes, sorry. And it's impossible, no. It's impossible for us as human beings to imitate God. In fact, the only one that can produce the goodness that is found in God is God, right? Jesus said that when the rich young ruler came to him and the rich young ruler recognized, he identified the character of Jesus, rightly. He said, good teacher. And Jesus looked at him and said, why do you call me good? And he wasn't questioning what the rich young ruler was saying when he did that. He was asking the rich young ruler that because the rich young ruler knew, he'd seen that, he knew that, but Jesus wanted him to think about what it was he was really seeing. Because if he understood what he was really saying to Jesus when he said, good teacher, then he would have accepted everything else that Jesus said. And the issue with the rich young ruler was he couldn't accept that Jesus was good, that he was God. Because Jesus said, only one is good, and that is God. And you see right after that, then the rich and ruler doesn't say good teacher. His very next comment is teacher. He's dropped the good. And that's why when Jesus asks him to follow him, he can't do it. Because there's, there's a lack in his belief about who Jesus really is. So it's, it's around this goodness. And again, that... That story reflects that, yes, there is only one that is good, and that is God. And how can we possibly imitate God? So it's impossible, right? I think we can all agree with that. If we're at all honest about ourselves, we know every single day that we deal with emotions and feelings and, and just a constant battle. To, to do the right thing. And it's not only doing the right thing, right? It's going beyond that because Jesus says things like, love your enemy, bless those who persecute you, and all kinds of other, um, other things that he said throughout the course of, of, of his life. Sayings that are impossible for us to keep. But on the other hand, it isn't impossible. If it's not us that's doing it. If it's God that's doing it. And how can you imitate God? We think about who God is. How can you imitate God unless God is the one that's doing that work? Unless God is the one that, has the, that is empowering us to do it. So this takes all the, the, the pressure off in one sense because it is absolutely not about striving to do this. It's not about right and wrong. As much as we might read what Paul has just said in chapter 4 as right and wrong, it's, nothing, it's not really related to right and wrong. Right and wrong only comes out of 
our character. It doesn't come out of... Uh, I mean, there are people that can live good lives and do the right thing, but nobody knows what's really going on in their heart. And actually their sense of identity is in doing some of the things that they're doing. But it doesn't hide blackness. It doesn't hide evil. It just covers it up. And we have the propensity to be nice to people, to do good to a certain degree. But when we're talking about imitating God, we're talking about a level of goodness, a level of holiness and purity that is perfect. Like this is perfection. This is goodness personified. Pure. I mean, pure good. Not just an act of good. I mean, we can all occasionally do that, right? Do acts. I mean, even lost people, right? People who have no relationship with God can choose and actually do something that's good and beneficial to somebody else in the day. But we're talking about living from that place, absolutely, and perfect goodness. And it's only possible if God is doing it. So therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we have a similar thing here, right? Because we're being told to imitate God as dear children and walk in love. As So we could define that, right? If God had only left it there, when he was inspiring Paul to write that, if Paul had only said, and walk in love, and left it at that, we could define what that meant. But Paul doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't say and walk in love and let us do, because that's what our culture does, right? Every person defines things, something for themselves. It's your own truth. Each person has their own personal truth. But Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't give us that option here. He says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. What does that mean? Now, when I ask that question immediately, we're going to think of religious responses to that. When I ask that question, I'm sure even many of us here, maybe even most of us here, are starting to go to Scripture verses. What I'd like us to do, again, and this is, for me, this is a little bit like walking out on the water. I'd like us just to take a minute and reflect on that and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And I'd really like us to get to the place tonight at the end for, the, with, for those that want prayer for what we're jumping into here, um, for us to gather around those people. And, and it's, it's not just important, it's absolutely necessary that we minister uh, that it's the Holy Spirit that allows, that works through us, that ministers through us. And so this is, a, a, there's two parts to this really. Right now, I think we've got to get used to listening to the voice of the Spirit. Do you know, I don't know, it, it would overwhelm us, I think, if we knew, if we look back over the course of the last hundred years, 
And we saw how much teaching, even if we narrowed it down to just good biblical teaching, has happened over the last hundred years on Wednesday nights in churches. But how much of that actually takes root? There has to be, it has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. It can't be that Andrew or Derek or Ray, uh, and occasionally we've had other people minister or other things on a Wednesday night, but it can't be that that's, their revelation uh, is your revelation. It, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that's revealing this and that's speaking this. And I think there's a focal point for us tonight with these verses. So I just want us for a few minutes, and then I want to give people an opportunity to share what they're seeing if you feel like the Lord is, is revealing something to you. Okay, so this is what we're looking at. Imitating God as dear children and walking in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. So the question is, what does that mean? But I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, you reveal to us what that means. For many of us, we know those stories back to front of Jesus But we need you to reveal it to us tonight in such a way that it grips our hearts and challenges mindsets. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. Come and reveal. Come and reveal what that means, what it meant when Christ loved us and gave himself for us.
Is the Holy Spirit revealing anything to anyone? Has anyone got anything to share? Verse 2. Okay. We need to get used to this. Like, this is okay. And if, you know, if, if, if people are struggling and, and don't feel like they've got anything, this is, lear- like, this is like learning. Like, you know, it's, sometimes it's awkward at first. But we have to get used to this. Um, and, and God speaks in different ways. I mean, somebody might have got a picture, and you might not be used to getting pictures or wondering, is that really the Holy Spirit or not? But this is really an area for us to grow together. This is how, this is how it happened in the early church. They didn't have a pulpit at the front. Everybody was coming, and everybody was getting used to learn. They were learning how to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And then when you get something, it's going to edify everybody else. When you get a real revelation from the Lord, it's for you, but it's also, almost always, for other people too. So, walk in love. Walk in is a lifestyle. So that's what I first got. Walking in love means it's a lifestyle, imitating Christ. And what I love is verse 2 is the antithesis of verse 3 when it goes on to fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, all of that. Um, And in context, verse 2, what I love is verse 3 is saying these are all the things that are not walking in love. These are things that keep you from really loving God. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking. You know, we look at that a lot of times as that's sin and that's, but we just stop there. And we, like Andrew's saying, we don't seek for the greater revelation <clears throat> or all of that stuff is not loving. It's more than just this is not the right way to live. It's I'm not really loving when I'm doing coarse jesting. I'm not really walking in love. And we, that's kind of what I really got, the, the comparison of verse 2 and 3, because that's the context. Um, and that walk in love, it's a lifestyle. It's literally living as Christ lived. I know that's so... <laughs> yeah, because looking back at the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Remember we said he was in prison, but that um, beseech, I think it was, that word beseech, what he's really saying, he's compelling them to, um, to join him, to be joined to him. And what's he compelling them to join him to? A lifestyle, like Jess was saying, a lifestyle of following Jesus, a lifestyle of walking in love. Yes, Chris. Uh, when uh, you first told us to pray, the first thing the Holy Spirit brought to my attention was something I've shared with people before about being the love I never received because my capacity of love usually comes from me drawing from my past of what I've experienced and what I deem love or not love toward me. And, uh, and this is something the Lord spoke to me when I was in the hospital. And it's like he, I seen an image of him on the cross. 
And he was like, despite them, what they did to me, I still love them. I still said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So it's like, I really believe walking in love, it's like, it's really denying ourselves despite entitlement, despite how we feel, despite if we feel like someone wronged us, it's like, okay, I'm going to stick to what Jesus wants me to do. Do I want to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do in this situation, or do I want to be right? Because being right in your flesh is not going to get results, but being humble in the Lord, it's gonna, it can allow him to move. And that's like, to me, that's really love because sometimes we do get hurt. Sometimes people like wound us deeply, but it's like when you live a life of just like, okay, I'm going to just lay my life down on the cross because I'm supposed to be dead anyway and just let him live through me. And that's really hard sometimes. Yeah, and I'll continue myself now. And I was just saying, as Chris said, that how many of us identify love through human beings, through what our experiences. That's what Chris is really saying. That's to to there's a there's a, a freedom from that being released from my from our perspective of love being filtered through relationships that we've had through what people have done and said. And I love when going back to I mean just tying all this together, where Paul says back in verse uh, in chapter three verse seventeen or verse, um, verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding. So on the one hand, yes, it's putting off the, the, the filter of love through relationships with human beings, but at the same time, it's putting on this new filter, which we can't even begin to to, to uh, grasp how wide and how deep and how high and how long. But this is what we're being called into. A new place of, of uh, it's a complete, it's a mind-blowing place of love, right? It completely blows every thought, every experience we've ever had concerning love. That's what Paul's saying. And not only that, coming back to what Jess is saying, but we're called to walk in that place, not just to, oh, I'm Paul's saying, I'm praying that you would experience this. This is not like a one-time experience. This is like living in the place of the depth and height and width and length of his love. Yeah, Alan. On this about imitating Christ, you know, you know, when we share in the love of Jesus Christ with people, you know, it's very important, you know, that we imitate Christ in everything that we do, you know. For an example, you know, is, you know, when we get out there in traffic and, you know, I, I drive a lot. So, you know, when we're getting, doing things like cutting people off, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're not showing the love of God. And, and all of us here, I could say, are guilty of doing that or just, you know, getting, you know, offended, you know. You know, because, you know, nobody's driving as fast as you would like them to be because, you know, you get such in a hurry sometimes to get here and there and all this. And sometimes, you know, we get impatient. You know, we have to learn, you know, how to be patient, you know, to share the, you know, to show the love of Christ out there, you know, driving. And not just in driving, you know, in our work too, you know, like we're around other people and all that, you know, if we're doing things like complaining about our job or bad-mouthing our bosses or gossiping about other people, you know, we're not showing the love of God, you know, our conversations and 
how we act and all that, you know, need to always be full of grace. Just like when we're driving, you know, we we need to realize, you know, there's a that there's other people out there, you know, and we need to, you know, it's our attitude is this about, you know, about serving one another, you know, when Jesus Christ said, you know, he gave himself, you know, he came, you know, to serve, not to be served, you know, and that's what we that's what our attitudes has to be, you know, we have to we have to crucify our selfishness because that's the main thing that we battle with. You know, we sometimes we just think about ourselves and, you know, because sometimes we have bad days or we just get impatient or things happen. But, you know, even, you know, when we're frustrated and all that, you know, we do have to, you know, learn patience and still, you know, have the attitude of, you know, serving, you know, one another, you know, and showing, you know, the love of Christ because that's what the world wants to see. That's what they need to see, right? So even when you're rear-ended. <laughs> All right, as I was praying, uh, I got the word self-sacrifice, and then I was reading in chapter 2, or, I'm sorry, verse 2, um, and we walk in love as Christ also walked in love, and he gave up uh, himself for us. And um, I know it's a struggle every day for people to love not just themselves but other people and just as uh, Jesus gave himself up on the cross God gave us the ability to have free will to make that you know self-sacrifice to love people when they don't need to be loved and we're loving on people um, I had an issue at work today where someone um, quit their job and they started cussing up their boss and cussing uh, me out and Instead of doing a worldly thing, I chose to be self-sacrifice and show love and compassion. And me and my boss prayed for the guy even though he left. But um, you really have to have self-sacrifice, even as Jesus did. I mean, having that free will to, and having the love of Jesus in you to have that self-sacrifice and control to be able to, to love one another. John 15, 13 says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Well, Jesus laid down his life for us, but he's asking us to lay down our life for him as well. And that's showing our greatest love for him in return is to obey, to lay down our lives, pick up our cross and follow him whatever it is he's asking us to do in all things, even when you get rear-ended. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that whatever is a big whatever, right? Because it's easy to say whatever and just brush everything aside with that whatever. But the whatever is actually more often than not with the Lord. It's actually something specific he'll ask you. Um, to do. So as, as I was preparing for this, and, and just remember these things, okay, because we're going to, like I said, I want to step in in a few minutes here to praying uh, for each other. And 
I think we'll start off if there's anyone that wants specific prayer um, in this area. But then just um, maybe pray for each other then as well. But it's going to, we're specifically these things. I thought about three things when I, when I was looking at this and praying about what it means when it says, um, as Christ has loved us, what it meant giving himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice. You know, the first thing I thought was um, the cost for him, what he left behind. I mean, when I say this, he didn't leave it behind in the sense that, um, for example, when God called Abraham to leave family and, and his home behind, Abraham actually left that behind and didn't go back. So what I'm really looking at with Jesus was laying aside his majesty, laying aside his position with the Father, laying aside his closeness, his proximity to the Father. I don't know what that means for the Godhead as far as space and time and dimensions go. But Jesus left that place and came. And not only that, there's a point at which he felt the abandonment of the Father, the f- being forsaken by the Father. And it wasn't that the Father forsook him, but he f- so fully embraced the feelings that we have because of our brokenness. So there's oftentimes when our sin separates us from God, it separates us from God, but it's never his intention and he's never separated from us in the sense that he's forsaken us. But our brokenness, we've put ourselves in the place of we've become God. Because our focus is always on ourselves. It's always on our brokenness. And it's always on what other people are doing to us or not doing to us. And our whole, and you can, notice, you, you can see that more clearly today than any other time. We are so self-absorbed. And because of that, there's this sense of being forsaken. And Jesus took so completely... Um, he so completely stepped out of his place and, and embraced that. And so for us, what does that mean? When we're talking about loving as Christ loved, giving himself for us, what was that? what will that look like in our lives? And one of the things is, and I think that's why... Paul's writing this in the context of um, all of the things that show when we're operating in our flesh. In other words, all of the things that show up in our lives when we're focused on ourselves. The old man, right? And the old man, really, I mean, that's the us, the focus, the emphasis on us. And I thought about what does it mean for Jesus to walk in love as an offering? And this is quite different because his life was an offering to the Father. 